is good. You ready to get in the Word? Yeah. Amen. Well, I'm ready to teach tonight. So if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 8. I'm relying on the Holy Spirit to, to teach through me tonight. And we've been talking about, I have decided. That's been our, our theme. Uh, I have decided. And, and this, this is it's such an important thing because you have to awaken to the fact that Christian, Christianity is beyond... Um, Saying confession and being a part of, hey, I'm going to heaven one day. You know, if, if, if that's all you're satisfied with, then, then so be it. But the thing is, is, is there's something greater that you're here for than more than just going to heaven one day. You know, we are called to be like Jesus. And that, that's going to be my topic tonight is to be like him. And, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover some foundational things. I want, I want to do a little bit of review um, so we're all on the same page. And, you know, after all, Jesus said, Verily, I say unto you again. So, so if you, you heard me talk about it, Vic shared some things last week. But I want to deposit these, these foundational things about this series so, so you understand the aspect of discipleship. In John chapter 8, verse 31, it says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, let, let me read that again. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. So these were Jews that believed on him. He said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciple indeed. And if you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now, it doesn't say the Jews that believe were disciples. See, there, there's, a, there's a miscontent. And this is where the difference between, between salvation and a disciple are two different things. These were the Jews that believed on him. But see, I, I don't want to just, just believe on him. I want to be a disciple. See, it's not just believing on him, but it's being a disciple. So those that believed on him, he told them, if you continue in my word, then you'll be my disciple indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So it wasn't believing that made them disciples. It was going to be continuing in the word that made them disciples. The word continue means to remain, abide, sojourn after, to wait for, to endure, to not depart from, or to be present. So when you're talking about continuing, it's about this is this is how I'm going to live the rest of my life. I'm going to continue in this because it's how I continue in this that's going to affect the rest of my life. It's what you continue in that will either perfect your life or affect your life in a negative way. See, it's the things that I chose to continue in that caused my life to go in the wrong direction. But it's also the things I continued in that caused my life to go in the right direction. So it's whatever you're choosing to continue in that's going to affect what kind of life that you're going to ultimately have. So what is a disciple? It's one that made a great commitment and made great, a, a great submission. A disciple is a learner, a follower, not just a pupil, but an adherent. So what's an adherent? It's someone who supports a particular party, a person, or a set of ideas. So we're about being a disciple. I have decided. It's not just believing. But it's being a disciple, one that's a follower. So what does a disciple look like? Luke chapter 5, verse 10, you don't need to turn there. Jesus told the disciples, follow me. And what did it say? It says, they forsook all. So if I'm going to be a follower, if I'm going to be a disciple, it also lets me know that my priorities have changed. You see, see they were fishing 
you know, you know, that day. And what did they do the day before that? They were fishing. What did they do the day before that? They were fishing. What were they doing the day before that? They were fishing. What did they do the day before that? They were fishing. But Jesus said, follow me. And they said, they forsook all. So what were they going to do the next day? Not fishing. Why? Because their priority their whole life had been fishing. Now, all of a sudden, that they had this encounter with Jesus, all of a sudden, now their priorities were totally changing. Now, all of a sudden, they're now thinking different. When they woke up before, it was, it was okay, let's follow Dad, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get up at 2 in the morning, and we're going to go fishing. Now, they're following Jesus, and, and they're not sure what's going to happen next. Why? Because their priorities changed. So, when you become a disciple, your priorities totally change. You know, and we see some examples. Paul tells us some examples of this. He gives us some illustrations to this. And one in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And, uh, and then in 1 Timothy chapter, uh, chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 2. One, he says, he goes, he goes, it's like an athlete that's running and competing for a crown. Not a, not, not a crown that, that is, is going to fade away or a crown that's corruptible, but one that's incorruptible. So, so here, this discipleship, this, this priority change is, is it's like an athlete that's competing. It's like an Olympic athlete. He also compares it in Timothy. He compares it to a soldier. You see, soldiers and athletes don't live like everyone else. You know, when you're a soldier in the military, you can't do what everyone else does. You know, if you're a soldier, you don't necessarily have the luxury of retreating when, when everyone else is retreating. You know, if you're an athlete, you know what? You don't eat what everyone else is eating. You don't do what everyone else is doing. You don't go where everyone else is. Why? Because you are, you're, after the, you're after to win that gold. You're after to win the prize. You're after to, to win something greater than everyone else is going after. And it's not about you competing and being better than anyone else, but it's about you fulfilling your destiny and you fulfilling your purpose. Paul said in that same set of verses, he goes, he goes, I buffet my body, meaning I have to put my body down in some things. I have to, my, I, I can't let my body do what, what it wants to do. Why? Because there's, there's a prize. There's a race I'm running. There's something I'm going after. And so if you want to do something great in life and do something great in the kingdom of God, you can't live like everyone else. Paul said, Paul said this, he says, he goes, bodily exercise profits little, but godliness profits. So, so the thing is, it's, it's, and it's not saying we, we shouldn't worry about our bodies, eat right and work out. He was just saying there's this spiritual aspect of life that you need to be paying attention to because too often we're so worried about the natural and the things that we see and not realize what were you born for? What are you, what were you born for? There, there was things that, that I'm walking in now and things that I'm doing that, that God created me to do. But yet if I continued pursuing the same things I was pursuing and pursuing some of the same relationships I was pursuing, would I ever fulfill what God had placed on the inside of me? No. So being a disciple is, is, is realizing that the, my priorities have to shift. And as Vic talked about last week, it's, there's a cost to it. Go to Luke chapter 14. Luke 14. So what does a disciple look like? It's their priorities have changed and their followers. 
In Luke chapter 14, verse 16, it says, But Jesus said to him, A man was once given a great supper and invited many. And at the hour for the supper, he sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, Come, for it is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses and to beg off. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I have to go out and see it. I beg you, have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to examine and put my approval on them. I beg you, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and because of this, I'm unable to come. So the servant came and responded these answers to his master. Then the master of the house said in wrath to his servants, go quickly into the great streets in the small streets of the city and bring them in here, the poor, the disabled, the blind and the lame. Verse 22. And the servant said, sir, what have you commanded me to, to do has been done, yet there's still room. Then the master said to the servant, go out in the highways and the hedges and urge and constrain them to yield and come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, not one of those who were invited shall taste my supper. Now, huge crowds were going along with Jesus and he turned to them and said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother in the sense of indifference or in disregard for them in comparison with the attitude towards God and likewise his wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life also cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not uh, persevere and carry his own cross and come after me, follow me, cannot be my disciple. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying he bid many to come. He, he invited many to come, but yet no, no, no one showed up. Why? They all gave excuses. Why? Because they had something better to do. They have something better to do. And a lot of times in life, we can miss the greater because we think we have something better. We think there's something better to do. But Jesus said, go out and get them and tell them to come in. And he tells them that whoever doesn't love... Me more than mother and father. And he wasn't saying that, that you're not to love your brothers and sisters or your mother. He was saying in comparison to me. Meaning this, this has to become a priority shift. This, there has to be a priority that, that, that if you're wanting something greater in your life, stop settling for something less. If you're wanting something greater, stop settling for the less. And, and, and a lot of times we, 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 we want to hold on to those things because we're afraid we're going to miss out on something. You know, for the longest time, I, I didn't want to really give my heart to God. I didn't want to serve God. And, and, and yet, I, yet I, I knew there was a call on my life, but yet I didn't want to give up partying. I didn't want to give up drinking. I didn't want to give up the relationships. I, I didn't want to give up some of those things because I was afraid I was going to be missing something. But yet all the things that I was so worried about keeping, those things were actually really destroying my life. There was, I didn't have peace. I, I didn't have any satisfaction in life. I didn't have any self-worth or, or value. And, and I kept trying to get more and more and more and more and more and more. But yet it didn't satisfy my life because what was I doing? I was following after the wrong things. Instead of making a decision, I have decided. Let's go to two more verses and then I'll finish my, my review. Go to Matthew 10. Matthew 10. You also turn to Luke chapter 6. Matthew 10 and Luke 6. So why do we follow? 
Matthew chapter 10, verse 24, says, The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. It is enough. Now, listen to that. It is enough for the disciple to be as his master. The word enough there means it's sufficient. Meaning it is sufficient that the disciple be as his master. Now, let's look at Luke chapter 6. This is important for us to see. So, what's the purpose of discipleship? What's the goal of discipleship? Luke chapter 6, verse 39. In the Amplified, it says... He further told them a proverb, can a blind man guide and direct a blind man? Will they not both stumble into a ditch or a hole in the ground? Verse 40, a pupil is not superior to his teacher, but everyone, when he is completely trained, readjusted, restored, set to rights and perfected, will be like his teacher. A pupil is not superior, not greater than the teacher, But everyone, when he's completely trained, will be like his teacher. So the purpose of this series that we're dealing with here, I have decided, is for us to become like our master. The purpose of discipleship is not for you to be like Justin. That's not what this series is about. It's not for you to be like Jerry Savelle. It's not like for you to be like the, the minister that you might follow after. Now, Paul said, follow after me, what, as I follow after the Lord. So, so it's not for you to be like me. It's not for you to be like another minister. It's for you to be like Jesus. Discipleship, to be a disciple is it's about becoming like Jesus. It's about you being like Jesus. And, and, and this series is all about being like Jesus. Now, there's things that, that Dr. Savell and myself, I, I, I want to emulate Jesus. I, I, want, I want you to see things. You know, Jesus said, said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Man, I, that, that's, that's, my, that's the heartbeat for, 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 for my children and my wife and, and you and, and for, for different ones, people that are close to me that they can say, man, he, he's like Jesus. I, I want that said about you. I want people you work with, man, man, there's just something different about them. Man, there's just something different about how they do business. It's something different of how they work. They have a different work ethic. There's, they're, they're, man, there's, man they're, they're, there's something different about them. Why? Because they're like Jesus. And, and even, even the, it was said about the disciples. Who, said about who? The disciples. It said, we, we don't know much about them, but you know what we can tell? They've been with Jesus. I mean, every year, every, every year should be a year of progression. We grow from glory to glory in faith. I mean, I'm not living like I lived last year. I, I'm living different. Why? Because I'm a disciple. My priorities have changed. And because my priorities have changed, I don't do the things I used to do. And because my priority changed, I start living like Jesus and less like Justin. <laughs> Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Thank you, Father. Philippians chapter 3. And I'm going to read the Amplified.
exemplified. And uh, let me read verse one and two first, and then we'll. So I want you to see who he's writing to and who he's writing about. Verse 1 says, For the rest, my brethren, delight yourselves in the Lord and continue to rejoice that you are in him. Delight yourself in who? He didn't say delight yourself in me. He says delight yourself in the Lord. Why? Because we're to be disciples of the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord and continue to rejoice that you are in him to keep writing to you over and over of the same thing. Same things is not irksome to me. And it, and it is a precaution for your safety. I mean, I'm continuing to write these same things over and over again. But you know what it doesn't bother me? Why? Because it's for your benefit. The things that I'm about to share with you and the things I'm speaking to you is for your benefit. It's for your protection in your life. It's for your safety in your life. It's to cause you to be what you couldn't be in yourself. So pay attention to what's being written here. He, and then he tells him, he goes, look out for those dogs. Now, he's, he's, not talking, he's not talking about your pet. He's not talking how, how great that golden lab you have might be. It's not talking about those kind of dogs. You see, he, he's, see he, this is for your safety. So he's concerned about their safety. So what would harm their safety? Their revelation. Wrong teaching. What would hinder them in their lives? Wrong teaching. Wrong direction. Wrong information. Following the wrong thing. Following the wrong people. Following the wrong teachings. Following your own opinions. Following your own ideas. See, about being a disciple, it's not... It, 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 see, see, the moment that I made Jesus the Lord... It truly made Jesus the Lord of my life, I no longer had my own opinion. People say, well, I, I believe this or I believe, well, I believe what the Word says. See, the moment that I made Jesus the Lord of my life, that's when my opinion, Justin's opinion, had to cease. And I had to now align my life with this opinion. Yes. I had to align my life with truth, not my idea of truth or what I want to accept as truth or I'll take this but not that. Yes. And allow those things to shape my life. So here he tells them, "For this is for your safety. So look out for those dogs, those Judaizers, those legalists. Look out for those mischief makers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Meaning, he's talking about religious people. He goes, these people that find their success in what they do. Find their success in being legalistic. Find their success in all their good works. So, so, so he's saying, just, here, this is for your safety. You need to hear this. Because Paul goes on to say, and I'm not going to read the next five verses. But he goes on to say, hey, because I was one of them. Man, you Pharisee of the Pharisees, counting the law, I was blameless. You know, if anyone could rely on the flesh, he goes, man, look at me because I had every guarantee. I was a Roman citizen. I was anything that you wanted, you, you wanted to be as a man and as a, as, as a person on earth at that time. I was it. I was the man. I had money. I had prestige. I had fame. I had fortune. Everyone knew who I was. I was trained by the best. See, he's wanting to see something here. He wanted to realize it wasn't about his earthly accomplishments. It wasn't about what he knew. It wasn't about how good he was. It wasn't about how blameless he was, how perfect he was, how good he was, how much he did the law. It had nothing to do with that. Now let's look at verse six. 
Because remember, our theme tonight is to be like him. That's why we're disciples. So verse six says, as to my zeal, I'm sorry, verse, verse seven. But whatever former things I had that might have been gained to me, I have considered as one combined loss for Christ's sake. Meaning all these things that I've experienced in the natural, I count them as nothing. Yeah, I was trained by the, he was trained, he was trained, it said, he, it says this, that he was trained at the feet of Gamaliel, which was the high priest of the day. He, I mean, he was the leading rabbi, the leading teacher, and he was trained by him. He was discipled by him. But yet Paul says, says, I count all those things as nothing because he said, I, what was he telling us? I'm no longer being discipled like that. Meaning I count my previous discipleship as nothing because there's something greater. I have come to consider loss for Christ's sake. Verse eight. Yes. Furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, of progressively coming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, of perceiving and recognizing, understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake, I've lost everything and considered it all to be a mere rubbish in order that I may win and gain Christ, the anointed one. I I mean, I consider none of that. I consider it all trash. (laughs) Just... To know him. Meaning my previous discipleship is nothing. My discipleship now is about knowing him. Verse 9 says, and that I may actually be found in knowing as in him. Not having self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own. Based on my own obedience to the law's demands. Ritualistic uprightness and supposed right standing with God thus acquired, but possessing that genuine righteousness, which comes through faith in Christ, the truly right standing with God, which comes from God by saving faith for my determined purpose is that I may know him. This is my determined purpose. See, what was he saying? I, I continue to write these things to you for your safety. Don't, it's not about following after these other, these legalists, but let this mind be in you. Let this heart be in you that you might know him. Let your discipleship be about knowing Christ. Let your determined purpose in life be knowing Jesus. The apostle Paul, he said, I count all these, my past successes, my past failures. I count them as nothing. My determined purpose. My primary purpose is to know him, is to follow after him. This is what discipleship is all about. It's, It's about knowing Jesus, knowing him. For my determined purpose is that I might know him. Thank you, Father. That I may progressively come more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, Perceiving and recognizing, understanding, I love this, the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. 
and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed into the spirit, into his likeness, even into his death in the hope that if possible, I may attain to the resurrection out from among the dead, even while in the body. Thank you, Father. I might know him. Man, this was his heart. This, was, this, this is discipleship. This is, it, it's not about knowing Christianity. It's not, not even knowing just all the different rules and all the different... No, it's not about... No, it's about knowing him. Because yes. it's about knowing... When I know him, I'll be like him. Yes. And we'll, we'll see that in a minute. See, it's about pursuing him. It's not about pursuing being good. It's not about pursuing doing everything right. It's about pursuing him. It's not about, did, did, did I do everything right today? No, it's about pursuing him. It's about knowing him and the power of his resurrection. If I might, if I might know that resurrection, that, that I might experience that same in the body, meaning, meaning just as he was raised up, I want to experience that same new life in my life. You see, see the apostle Paul, it's amazing to me that, that here he's, what is he talking about? He, he's talking about his experience that he had here. He was on the road to Damascus and, and a light shone about from heaven It knocked him off his donkey. And he was like, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? He experienced the presence of God. He experienced the glory of God. And, and he's saying, he's saying that same glory. I want to get a hold of that. Look, look, cause he says this here. He goes, he goes, not that I've now attained or have already been made perfect, but I press on to lay hold and make it my own. That for which Christ has laid hold of me and made me his own. When did Christ lay hold of him on the road to Damascus? Verse 13, it says, I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet. But one thing I do. It is my one aspiration for getting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I don't consider, verse 13, I do not consider that I've captured and made it my own yet, but one thing I do. He, goes, he, he says, I want to lay hold of the thing that laid hold of me. I want to possess and grasp and lay hold of the thing that changed my life. I want to lay hold of that. The thing that touched my life, I want to touch it. I want to lay hold. I want to know it more. My determined purpose is to know the thing that laid hold of my life. I want to know it in a greater way. I want to know it in a, in a, in a, in a, in a better way. I want that to be what changes and continues to change my life. Hallelujah. Can you be honest with me? Has, have, have, have you known the presence of God before? Can, can you honestly say, Justin, I've experienced the presence of God that I can't deny. Come on, just lift your hand up. You, you can say, say, God touched my life at one point. Can, can you, can you raise your hand and can, you know, that was, that's what the apostle Paul was saying. And you know what? You can't deny that. No one can take that from you. You know, I wasn't saved in a church. I was saved in my sister's living room. I, I was healed of a respiratory disease. And so I can't, you know, and, and so anytime things happen in my life, I'm like, I'm like, I want that to that's, I, I want, what I experienced in my life at that moment, I want other people to experience that. And I want to know that in a greater degree. 
So it's like it, it being a disciple isn't, isn't knowing more word, it's knowing him. Yes. Continuing in my word. Who's the word? He's the word. And as you continue in the word, you get to know him is not memorizing scripture is getting the word into your heart, getting the word into your life. So, you know, him It's not about how many scriptures you can quote. If you're a good disciple or not, it's about knowing him. See the scriptures relay him. See the word of God it gets, gets us the, when you get into the word of God, it's not about you doing your good deed for the day. It's your opportunity to get to know your creator. That's why we're constantly telling, telling you, get in the word, be in the word. Can you find it in the word? What's the word say about it? Why? Because you get to know your father and you get to know your big brother, Jesus. (laughs) So, so the thing is, so you can know what you have a right to, what is rightfully yours. And, and as you get into faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it's, it's not about just continuing in the word so you can have, you can impress people with how many scriptures, you know, it's so you can know him. And Paul said, my determined purpose is to know him. Verse 13 again says, I do not consider brethren that I've captured and made it my own yet. But one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I think Vic talked about this scripture last week and he talked about different ones wanted to, he said, said, master, I'll, I'll follow you. And he says, well, the birds of the air, you know, um, you know, don't have anywhere and neither, and neither does the son of man have anywhere to lay his head and said, one said this, the dead will bury the dead. And he goes on to say, if any man that turns back, it says is not fit for the kingdom of God. Is any man who has his hand on the plow and turns back is not fit for the kingdom of God. See, this whole aspect, he's talking about the cost of discipleship. How far do you want to go in God? Do you want to step into the the untapped things that you know God's place on your life? Well, then that means your priorities have to change. You have to you have to stop. You know, it's like we want great things, but yet we still go back to old things. And here, Paul says, I, he goes, I forget those things that are behind. Why? Because Paul realized the principle of discipleship. I've got to press on. I have to press on. I have to forget those things that are behind. Why? Because I have a greater call ahead of me. You've got to, there's, there's some things you just need to put in the past. There's some things that you just have to stop remembering. And there's some things, present things that you just need to let go of. Because they're only going to hinder you from the greatness that God has for you. This is about being a disciple. And, and being a disciple is, like I said, it's about priorities changing. There's some, there's some decisions that you have to make to let go of. Well, well, God, well, God understands. Well, I, I'm sure he does. I heard someone tell a story. He, there was a, there was a minister or actually a, a businessman went to a minister and, and had the, said the Lord told him and committed him to do this certain thing with, with this particular minister. 
and they had, um, and it was, it was something financial. And so this is what God's told, told, told me to do. And, and this is, this is what, I mean, I know I heard from the Lord to do this. And, and so he stepped down and the guy, the guy followed through with his commitment for, for, for a little while. And all of a sudden he came back to him and said, you know what? I, I'm, um, I'm just not going to be able to do that anymore. And so the minister said, said, it's okay. It's, it's all right. It's, it's not a big, I mean, I'm not, I'm not God. It's, it's up to you. You know, and, and so he, he said he forgave the man or whatever, he did not following through with his commitment or whatever. And, and, and so the man walked away and, and, he, and he said, um, and this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to the ministry. He goes, just because you released him doesn't mean I released him. And he was like, whoa. He goes, should I, should I go to, to him and tell him that? He goes, no, this is between me and him. Because this is... This is this, this, is, this is something the Lord was directing him to do, but yet he was going back. Because God had something greater for him that that man couldn't see. So we, we have to realize, you know, when I moved here in 1999, I was working for a company and I was just about being fully, I was just about fully vested in the company I was working for. And, and what, what, what does that mean? Well, I'd been there and they had this period of time where, where once you fulfilled so many years being this company, you would be fully vested in stocks and, and so forth. And, and you know what? I was, I was 27 days away from being fully vested. And, but yet Bible school started, you know, um, this was, this was, this was August. I left, I left August, um, 28th. From Maryland. Well, to be fully invested, I had to stay until September 27th. So, so what that means is, is um, I had to stay until that time to be fully vested. So I was like, well, why don't I just stay for another month and I'll go to Bible school next year? Oh, it sounded good. I mean, I was, because there was thousands of dollars on the table. Thousands of dollars on the table. It was, hey, Lord, I, you know what? I can stay just one more month. I'll hit you up next year, and it's all going to be good. Now, now God, this, this is thousands of dollars on the table. That was just, I mean, if I just like just 27 more days that I'm going to have thousands of dollars at my hands that for just 27 more days. See, so the question is, Am I going to just be a believer or am I going to be a disciple? So there was a, there was a priority shift here. It's like, I'm looking at money and I'm like, you, you, you see how many thousands of dollars that are on the table here that if I just stay 27 more days, you know, hey, Bible school can wait till next year. And the Holy Spirit spoke this to me. He goes, do you think... That I can give you double that? Do you think that I can do a lot more for you than that? I was like, well, I guess. He goes, are you going to get out of my will for just thousands of dollars? So... So here, this is, this is, I mean, this is, this is back to that discipleship. Well, I let that go in order to gain something greater. 
And too often we, it's hard to see on the other side of, well, Lord, it's a blessing of the Lord. It's a blessing of the Lord. It's money. It's got to be. It's got to be. Uh-uh. Tell you, not every relationship is a God relationship. Not everything that has a bunch of zeros on the other side is God zeros. And maybe not every seed you sow is a God seed. This is, this is a, a discipleship is obedience. So, so this, this is this is something that you know. It's like, am I going? Am, am I going to put my hand to the plow, or am I going to turn back and wait three hundred and sixty-five days? I often think, what if I chose the finances? You know what? Because then the enemy could have presented something else, then presented something else, another detour, a wrong decision, a wrong choice, a wrong relationship. Next thing I know, would I have ever gotten to Texas? See, this, this whole aspect is, is, is discipleship is, in priorities is about being like him. Thank you, Father. I do not consider that I have captured and made it my own yet, but this one thing I do, it's my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Straining forward to lies ahead. This, then it says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. I press towards the mark. If you're going to be a disciple, it's going to be a press. What is the press he's referring to? What is the mark he's referring to? The mark that he's referring to, I believe, is in verse 10. My determined purpose is to know him. And to, not not that I've already attained, but I'm, I'm, I'm laying hold of it. I'm laying hold of him. Meaning I forget all those other things behind me. I count them as nothing. So when he starts this out, he's saying, this is for your safety. Don't follow after the Judaizers and all those things that that they're trying to tell you. But let it come down to this one thing that he told us. I continue to write to you about it. It's knowing him. It's knowing him. It's knowing him. It's knowing him. It's having your life fashioned after his righteousness. It's about your faith in him. It's about you pursuing him. It's about running after him. It's about pressing towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, the high call is to be like him. That's the high call. That's what we're all pursuing after. That's what we're all running after. The call to be like him. It's, it, it is a call to be like him. Let me show you that. We'll go to Romans chapter 8. I'm grateful for a church full of believers. But I'm thankful, expecting a room, a church full of disciples. Amen. 
disciples. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. It says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Look at this. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. So what's, what's God's purpose in, in everything? What, what was the purpose of sending Jesus? What was the purpose? It would be con- so we could be conformed to the image of his son. Well, we just, we just read a little bit ago. We see it in Luke chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 10. It is enough and it is sufficient that the disciple be what? Like his master. And here he says that we will be conformed to the image of his son. This is God's desire for each and every purpose. That person, that we would be conformed to the image of his son. That, that, that we are a, a, the Christians are a, a, a army, so to speak, of people that are just like Jesus. Love like Jesus, walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, live like Jesus. Conform to the image of his son. Moreover, whom he did predestinate... So the ones he predestinate or to do what? To be conformed to the images of his son. Then he also called, whom he also called, then he also justified, and whom he justified, he also glorified. But verse 29 again, it says that we might be the firstborn, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That he might be the firstborn of many brethren. That he'd be the first, and if there's a firstborn, then that means he wants a second, he wants a third, he wants a fourth, he wants a fifth. He wants more than that. He, 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 it's, not just, it's not just him, but he wants, he's the firstborn of what many brethren that would be like him. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3. Sometimes when you're holding on to something because you're afraid of letting it go, ask yourself the question, could God do better than this? And the answer is yes. First John. So being a disciple is about being like him. Thank you, Father. First John chapter 3. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Man. What manner of the love the Father has given us, placed on us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knows us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Not, not one day in the future, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now are we the sons of God. It does not yet know what we shall be, but we shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. Now get this. And every man that has this hope in him. What hope? That we're sons of God and that we're to be like him. Every man that has this hope. This hope that God loves us. 
this hope that he, he, he calls us his son, this, this hope that we will be like him for we will see him as he is. Everyone that has this hope in him was, what does it say? Purifies himself. Purifies himself. That's discipleship. So when you see him in the word, you take what you see in the word and then all of a sudden you make the adjustments in your life. See, sometimes people are waiting for God to do all the work. But here he says a man purifies himself. Now, it's not about how good you can get, but it's about you looking at Jesus. And as you look at Jesus, you start allowing that to purify your life. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Meaning as I'm looking at Jesus, I'm looking at him. Then what I start doing is I allow my relationship to him, my relationship with him to start reshaping my life. That's why we look at the word, James says, as, as a mirror. It's like, okay, I need to fix that. Okay, yeah, I need, I need to do something different with that. Yeah, that's, there's, there's adjustments. There's, there's, there's changes that I have to make. But how do I make the adjustments and the changes? Not, not about trying to think of how can I do good and be good. No, I'm looking at Jesus. And I'm allowing that to shape my life. I'm becoming like him. Hallelujah. Let's go to First John chapter 4, and I'll close with this. First John chapter four, verse 17, not a time. So herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. See, see this, this aspect of being a disciple is not that I look like Jesus when I get to heaven. Herein is this love made perfect that we may have boldness. Verse chapter three was talking about behold the, the love of God that has been bestowed upon us, right? That we will see him as he is. And he talks about this love that, that as I understand his love for me and as I build this relationship with him, this love being made perfect, that I may have boldness in the day of judgment. Meaning that when he returns and he places his feet on this earth, I have boldness. I don't shrink back at him. I, I'm not afraid of him. I'm not worried because I know who I am in Christ Jesus. Why? Because I am like him. I am like him. I am like him. Yes. How I am like him. Yes. How you know what? You can resist temptation like Jesus resisted temptation. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. You can lead like Jesus leads. Wow. Man, you can walk like Jesus walked. It says here, herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, as he is. I love it. It's not as he was, it's as he is, as he currently is in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the father. As he is, so are we in this world, in this world, in this world. In Crowley, Texas, in Fort Worth, Texas, in Arlington, Texas, in Uganda. Hallelujah. As he is in this world. Hallelujah. 
Saying yes to Jesus. It's not just saying, hey, I'm going to heaven one day. No, saying yes to Jesus. That's just being a believer. But if you want to be a disciple, man, get ready. Change some priorities. I'm telling you, be no regrets. And that's, that's what I love hearing what Paul was saying. He's, it, really what I hear Paul saying in Philippians 3, and it just came up in my heart. What I hear him saying more than anything else, I have no regrets. I count all my successes. It doesn't matter. None of those things matter. I have no regrets <laughs> in leaving those things behind. No regrets. Why? Because I'm pressing. You know what? I have, I've experienced some difficult things in life. Experienced difficult things as a, as a believer, as a pastor. Challenging things. But you know what? I'm not going to take my hand off the plow. I'm not going to take my hand off the plow. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. But you know what? I'm not going to take my hand off the plow. I want to press. I want to press forward. I want to go forward. Man, because I, I want to see everything he has for my life. I want to see everything he has for this church. I want to see everything he has for you. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And Father, we receive the challenge that your word deposits in our hearts. And Father, I just thank you for every hearer of the word. That we will be doers of your word. I believe there's some here also watching by way of internet. There's some decisions that, that they need to make. I thank you for the grace to make those decisions. Yeah, Joseph, the courage. The courage to let go and press on. The courage to totally yield their lives to Jesus. No holding back. heart. I think we're all at different places of decision. And Father, we want to be sold out to you. So we want to be like you. That we would be disciples of the Lord. That we wouldn't be like those that were invited to the, to the banquet and made excuses. We don't want to stand in front of your judgment seat. As Corinthians talks about, throughout the scriptures talk about. We don't want to stand before you at that time and make excuses. We want to be disciples now. We want to be like Jesus. Thank you, Father. In your own heart, just make, make whatever decisions you need to make. Go ahead and make it. It's between you and Jesus. It's not about someone laying hands on you. It's about 
Just a quality decision. What's a quality decision? It's a decision of no turning back. And I'm telling you, once you make the decision that you know, that you know, that you know you need to make, there will be a grace and a peace that will come in. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, I just, this kept coming to my heart as well. In verse 20, it says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. You know, and sometimes people have an idea that God chooses someone's greatness or the quality of someone or something. But he says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and earth and some to honor and some dishonor. Verse 20 says, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. So is it God that chooses what kind of vessel you'll be or is it you? See, as if a man purge himself, he will be that vessel of honor. Meet for the master's use. You choose. And it's your choice to be a disciple. And when you choose to be a disciple, your ultimate quest is to be like him. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And we just thank you for, for just the richness of it, the, 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 the grace that we receive it in, Lord. That not one, I, I don't want one person leaving here condemned. So I come against the enemy to bring condemnation into any heart. No condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Father, I just thank you for the peace of God to flood every heart as we all become disciples. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, ushers, amen. Give him a shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah, Joseph. Come on up.